So today we're going to talk about abiding. I didn't feel like I was supposed to be the one to wrap up healing or to add to healing. Um, I felt like I was supposed to speak on abiding, which is important for healing. It's important for every part of our lives because a lot of times we don't receive because we aren't abiding. Over and I'm going to go to John 15 a lot. So you might as well just leave your Bible open to John 15. But over in John 15, starting in verse 1 through 4, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I know in the past I've had the same thought, and I've talked to people who've had the same thought. Well, I need God, but he doesn't need me. I need him to abide in me, but God does not want this filth abiding in him. But if you just read that, he says, you are already clean. What can a tree produce if it doesn't have the branches? If it's just a trunk? Nothing. Nothing. God needs you. He needs us to abide in him as much as he abides in us. Abiding is required for us to bear fruit. We have to abide in him. Freedom. Health. Abundance, the abundance to bless. What's an apple for if it just hangs on the branch? It's pretty. But what is a tree? What is an apple tree if all the apples do was just stay on the tree? It's not good for anything except for just to sit there. You know? We're called to abide in him. So we can overflow, so that we can feed others, so that we can be beautiful like that apple tree. If you've never driven past an apple orchard, do it. It's beautiful. But how wonderful when someone can walk up to there and pluck an apple and eat nature's candy. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Us abiding in Christ keeps the doctor away. Not just for us, but for others. Because people can come up to us and they can pick off of us the goodness of God. The sweetness of his love. The fullness of his healing. Because we are abiding in him. This is why it's important that we abide in him. So what is abiding? It's the act of receiving and trusting all that God has for us in Christ. Do you know that... Even Jesus abode. It says, abide in me as I have abided and abode in Christ. That's probably not grammatically correct, but you get the picture. If it's important for him, pretty sure it's important for us. A living branch remains or abides attached to the vine in such a way that it's receiving all the branch has to give. But is that forced? It's the act of receiving and trusting. Are you forced to receive? 
Are you forced to trust? Nobody can force me to trust you. I know Deb. I asked Deb to do tithes and offerings because I trust her. Not because she came and she said, you will trust me. I'd have been like, ooh. God doesn't do that either. But we get to choose it. Freely, we get to choose. But we can't just choose his healing and his provision to be in us, but not his word. You're not going to abide in his benefits without abiding in him, his son, his life. He is the king. He's not Burger King. We don't get it to have it our way because our way is stupid. Our way leads to death and destruction. We've done seen that. That's the whole reason Jesus was needed. Because when we had it our way, literally all hell broke loose. So if you want to have it your way, go to Burger King. But if you want to have it God's way, abide in him. Abide in him. Say, Lord, whatever, whatever. Because if you have it, I need it. If you have it, Lord, I want it. It's choosing to stay in. To stay in. Like when I looked up the word abide, stay was all over it. So many of us don't want to stay. You know, you abide in a house. You're in that house. All of you is in that house. I abide in my house. All of me is in it. But too often, when it comes to abiding in Christ... And y'all, I'm preaching to me. I've done the same thing. I've looked more like me in the sheets at night. Like, I don't know how y'all sleep. But I go to bed and there's one foot out and one in. There's usually a body pillow somewhere. And usually it ends up like up at my head and over to the side and everywhere else. And the sheets usually end up over here and then back over here. And then I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And then I'm like, I'm covered it up like this up to the chin. And I'm abiding in them sheets because then sometimes I'm just like, like I sleep like Luke. Sometimes I cover the head and I'm abiding in them sheets at that moment. But five minutes later, I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, it's hot. And I'm like, leg out everywhere. Usually Brian's like, give me my covers. (laughs) But oftentimes our spiritual life looks like that. It's not staying in. It's, oh, Lord, it's hot in here. I'm going to have to step out. I'll be back. And we step out. But then we get into the coldness of the world where there is no light, where there is no love. And it's, oh, Lord, I'm yours. Fill me. Here I am. Oh, but you want me here when the doors are open? Oh, you want me to serve? Oof. I'm going to have to go and pray about this. I'll be right back. And then we're gone again. But when we abide, we stay. We're choosing to stay and to receive all and to trust all. Because you got a king who gave everything. He gave all he had. He was all in. He said, I know they're going to screw up this world. 
I know the one thing. Y'all know the memes? You had one job. We started it. You had one job. Do not partake of this one thing. Everything else, the immense forest, you can have it. You had one job. But God was all in. He said, even though I'm giving it all, I'm staying in, I'm giving them my whole heart because he wants to receive all we have. It's like Deb preached. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your tithes and offerings. Y'all look, a pebble from the pathway of heaven would change everything. And he could send it down like a meteor to land in our backyard right here and change it all. But he wants us. This is why he abides in us. And he wants us to abide in him and to stay. Because when we stay and we receive and we trust all, what do we get? We get all of him. Tell me one thing. I challenge you. One thing that's not good in him. Nobody? So why would we not abide? Why would we not receive? Why would we not trust? Oh, but pastor, it's uncomfortable. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you about discomfort. <laughs> pastor in a church is discomfort. It is not comfortable. Selling our business when that was all we had to provide income. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Because we had two kids and a new house and a new car. But Daddy said to sell the business and not for what it's worth. I'm talking like pennies. And to sew it. That was uncomfortable. Standing here before you to a, by worldly terms, naturally introverted person. Oh, that's, that's not comfortable. Because while some of you are going, others are going. (laughs) But let me tell you what I received. When I chose to listen to my husband, when he told me, he's told this, most of y'all have heard this, when he told me to go over here and talk to people, and I'm literally going, (laughs) you want me to... Speak. And God said, submit. Okay. I received a ministry. I received a call upon my life that fulfills me more than having it my way ever did. When people called us crazy, Because we sold our business, our only income, and we allowed that discomfort to be there. I received a job I was not qualified for. And the company paid to qualify me. We received an an increase so that we could pastor a church in which my husband does not have to work 
a worldly job to make ends meet, even though for at least four years we went without a paycheck from this ministry. That's what discomfort allowed. Because he busted his butt every day, day in, day out, all hours of the night, pouring into people. Leading them to their salvation. Leading them to life. Leading them to healing. And because we chose this comfort, we chose to abide in him and to trust in him and to receive from him, lives were saved. And I'm not just talking spiritual either. I'm talking worldliness. Lives were saved. A gentleman came to us and he was moments away from pulling a trigger. And I know there have been more, but I can tell you two right now that have admitted that. How important was it for us to be discomfortable, uncomfortable for a little while? Because not only would those people have taken their lives, but what about the people they would have affected? Their family, their spouses, their children, their co-workers, their friends. Who knows what that would have led him to? How important was my discomfort in that moment? But we chose to abide when it wasn't comfortable. And praise God, we did. And it's not glory to us. It's glory to God that he gave us the strength to do it. Glory to God that he gave us the faith to abide when it wasn't comfortable. Glory to God that his fruit came forth. From that, because his word is true. So how? How does he? How do we abide? Jesus is very specific when he talks about what's flowing between the vine and the branch. It's his words, his love, and his joy. Go back to John fifteen, verses seven through eleven. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It may be done. If I'm having a good day, that's like an affirmative, right? It will be done for you. My father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, you've got a Savior that loves you so much. He tells us in here, yes, the Father is glorified. But what does he say? I tell you these things so that your joy may be full. You've got a ditty that loves you so much that even though we messed up again and again and again, Maybe some of us this morning or five minutes ago or 30 seconds ago. He's still given us the way so that our joy can be full. What a savior. What a loving ditty. 
If we're not abiding in the vine, nothing of any lasting value will come to or from us. Nothing. Because it has nothing to do with me. You see, without him, without being a part of him, I'm kindling. Mm -hmm. To be broken by the world and burned up. But with him. You see, over there, when I was shaken in the knees and scared to even speak to someone, I was kindling. But when I stepped into abiding in him, it's not me doing the speaking. I get to be a voice box for him. But when I choose to abide in him, I get to walk in all power and all authority. I get to preach his good news. I couldn't do that over there. I couldn't even say hello. I was so wrapped up and bound in fear. It was ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Just like that, I could have been broken. And was multiple times by the world. But when I abide in the vine, lasting value can come from my life. But I had to get started. I had to go over to Romans 10, where he tells me, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus, I shall be saved. Here again, it was a choice. Nothing in his word, nothing in his kingdom is or ever will be forced upon you. It's a choice. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not qualified. It's as simple as believing Jesus, your Lord. Father, I know your son died for me and rose again on the third day, and I'm going to live for him. And it's confessing. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for me. And it wasn't eloquent when I first did it. Like, the first person I told was my mama. Because, well, it's my mama. And I sat on a toilet. Like, I got saved in Brian's kitchen. Him and his daddy led me to the Lord. And once I, like, stopped sobbing and wiped, you know, snot everywhere and regathered myself, I took their phone. I was like, I'll be right back. And I went running into their half bath and I put the toilet seat down and I sat and I was like, Mama, guess what I did? I like prayed to Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven and be with him and I'm going to live for him every day because he died for me. (laughs) And she's like, okay. There wasn't anything glorious about that. I'm sitting on the throne (laughs) and it wasn't his at the time. And I didn't have the whole Roman road memorized so I could tell her, if you too believe in your heart. I was like, so this is what I did. Okay. It's so simple. There's not a right way or a wrong way. You just believe. You just confess. You just make that choice that if this man is willing to die this bloody, despicable, horrid death for me and give all he is for me, why would I not go and live with him? 
Why would I not abide with him every day? He's done giving me his whole life. What else would he not give me? When I wake up in the morning and I've got a migraine, he gives me healing. When I get up in the morning and I don't have two pennies to rub together, he gives me provision. When I feel all alone and I have no one to talk to, he gives me family. Why would I not choose to abide in that? Why would I not choose him? He's already chosen me. And I was so, so far back on the list of things worthy to be chosen. But he chose me anyway. He chose to abide in me. And invites me, doesn't even force me, invites me to abide in him. What a king. What a savior. What a ditty. You see, everything promised to us is made available when we're made born again Christians. Provision is unlocked when we make him Lord. When we choose to abide in him. When we confess the lordship of Jesus, we're under his protection, his guidance, his safety. And being under his guidance means that he's the shepherd. In John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He's the shepherd. Psalm 23 tells me, I shall not want. This is what comes with abiding in him. Not because of anything we've done. Not because he says, now you've earned it. Now you're a good girl. Now you're a good boy. But because we've stepped out of us and into him. I can't receive... All that Hawaii has to offer when I'm standing in North Carolina. But I guarantee you, one day, I'm going to step off a plane into Hawaii. And I'm going to do my little jig. And I'm going to receive all Hawaii has to offer. (laughs) And on December 29th, 1996, I stepped into all my king has to offer. I was still... All jacked up. I still looked like the 18-year-old girl who knew nothing. Y'all, I busted up into that church in a miniskirt. It's what I was. It's who I was. But he said, come on. He didn't look and go, mm, girl. Go put some clothes on. Maybe that muumuu that you can get from Hawaii. Go put that on. He didn't tell me to get my stuff together. He said, abide in me. I want you. Miniskirt and all. Praise the Lord, I got redeemed of that miniskirt. (laughs) You see, it's not us. I didn't deserve it. I didn't have anything to give. 
But he told me in John 15, 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I felt like nothing because before that day, I was nothing. Because I had nothing. And I knew nothing. But once I joined with him, it's not the branch that produces the fruit. That branch has the apple, and the seed is within that branch. The seed of his righteousness is within you today. Whether you know him as Lord and Savior yet or not, the seed of his righteousness has been sown for you when it's there. But when you choose to abide in him and you connect to him, suddenly you have that life flowing through you, and that life is able to produce fruit to take that seed and make it into goodness. It's never the branch. The branch is kindling. But when that branch abides in that tree, abides in in that vine, and that life is flowing through, now you're something. Now you're producing for the kingdom. Now people can praise his holy name. No one ever walks up to that tree. <laughs> I'm thinking of the veggie tales. Oh, great and mighty twig. You are so holy, great and mighty twig. But they go up and they go, praise God, there's an apple tree. I am hungry. They praise God for the tree. Not for the branch. But when we abide in him and we produce his fruit, we cause the world to give glory to the king. What an honor. What an honor that I am able to walk up to someone and give them what they need because he has produced it within me. And they are able to hit their knees and praise God that in that moment of weakness or despair or hunger or thirst, they are able to praise him because he was their provision. I just got to be the vehicle. What an honor. It's not you. You know, somebody sitting here or listening thinking I could never do that. You just don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does, and he doesn't care. He does not care what you have done. The one thing he cares about is what his son did for you. And he's saying right now, don't let that go to waste. Choose it. Pick it up. Abide in him. Because he gave all for you. And no matter what you've done in the past... You can be that branch that bears fruit. So how do we know? How do we know we abide in him? Well, we measure how much the word abides in us by how we practice it. You see, you can speak it. You can preach it. You can read it. But if you don't practice it in life, you're not abiding You can know, my brother growing up loved baseball. He could know all the baseball stats. He could wear the jersey. 
He could swing the bat out in the yard. But if he didn't get out there and practice, he was never going to be the next Babe Ruth. Oh, but I've got the jersey. You can't see my walls for all the wall, all the posters. What stat you want to know? Atlanta Braves, I can tell you everything. That made him a fan. I didn't make him a baseball player. We can bust up in these doors every time they're open. We can read the word. Satan knows the word. There's even men behind the pulpit that preach the word. And they'll hear, depart from me, I know you're not. Because they didn't abide in him. Y'all have heard pastor give the testimony of a woman that we knew. And she claimed, and we believe she did, because of somebody else that we knew that lived with her for a while. Every morning, first thing in the morning, she'd get up, she'd go to her little reading space, and she'd read two or three hours a day in the Word of God. Every day. And yet we watched her do one of the most cruelest, emotionally abusive things we have ever seen a person do. Oh, but she read the Word two to three hours every day. But she didn't abide in it. You can, you can put the word before you just like Satan did. He had the word before him and he chose to walk away because I want it my way. It's how much we practice it, how much we live it. When you go to work and it stinks, you're in a job you hate with coworkers who, oh, you can't believe Christ died for them. <laughs> I'm not the only one that's worked with these people, I know. <laughs> I know somebody else. Y'all, we just went through something at our job. Johnny and I worked together. And I saw a man walk what you see on Sunday mornings. When it got hard, when it got uncomfortable, when it wasn't easy, when lives were at risk, and I don't say that metaphorically, that's what it looks like. When nothing is going right, when a, do when a doctor rips my daughter out of my arms, to take her to emergency heart surgery. I can either curse God or I can fall on my knees and I can give him my child and I can give him my faith and I can choose to believe his word. That's practicing it when it's uncomfortable. That's abiding when it's not easy. But Johnny's been able to minister to people, to point them to God. He's been able to tell people, you know what? I don't fear. I walk in peace because I know who gives me peace. I was able to receive my daughter back in my arms, whole and healthy, and watch her minister the love of God. Because I chose to abide in him when I didn't have all the answers. 
when fear wanted to riddle me, when the world came up and patted my shoulder, it's okay, it is normal to fear. It's okay to be mad. How could this happen? And I looked at them and said, thank you for your love and your concern, but I'm going to go and be by myself and my king right now. Because you see, if it's not life and it's not faith, I don't want to hear it. And if it's not life and it's not faith, I sure will not speak it. Because I abide in him. So what he flows into me will flow out of me, even during the winter months. This is how you know you abide in him. What do you practice when it's not summertime, when it's not spring in your life? When the winds are beating down, what do you practice? When you're the only one in the room that believes in Jesus, when everyone else is cursing or smoking or drinking or doing whatever worldly things, what do you practice? Are you just going to put the bucket on the light and fade into the dark? Or will you choose to stand up and be that light? So that that person in the very back, riddled in darkness, can see it's far off, but there's a light and I'm going to it because I don't know what it is, but I need that light. Will you be that one? When it's not easy, when everyone's laughing at you and cursing you for believing some stupid God because they don't know. Will you be the one to abide in him and to flow out his love to the people who don't deserve it the way we didn't deserve it? That's when you know you're abiding. Not just walking in. I love the Biltmore. Patty got me thinking of the Biltmore. Been there multiple times. Can tell you what room we're going in what it was used for, where she birthed their babies. I can tell you when something got removed off of the menu at the Stables Cafe. But just because I walk in, am I a Vanderbilt? Walk into his house, yes. Walk in every time those doors are open. But until you choose to abide in him, you're not his and he's not yours. Because you haven't made the choice. If we're abiding, the proof is in the fruiting. Because we're going to have the fruit. No matter what our surroundings look like. Because our surroundings don't dictate his life. They don't impact his life. But his life in me impacts my surroundings. And my fruit will be the proof of my abiding. It will be the proof of your abiding. You see, John 15, 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Because you bear fruit. They know he's real. They may curse you to your face, but they go home and go, I don't know what that is. 
But there's something on that person day in, day out. No matter what I do, they're constantly walking in love. And Dad blasts it. They're constantly joyful. It's like nothing I can do takes them off. And one day they get tired of being an angry cuss. I've seen people come and go. But that one, man, they stay. They're constantly producing something that I need. This is how they know. But the opposite is true. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. The world is just waiting. It is just waiting. You may produce one fruit. But if you allow yourself to be broken from the vine, you go right back to being kindling to the world. We have to give ourselves to his pruning. In verses 1 and 2, he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Why? Because he wants to hurt it? Because it's a bad, bad tree. He prunes it so that you can bear more. How wonderful to know that we are taken care of inside and out. You see, his life is flowing in us. But then we've got the father who is the vine dresser, pruning, taking away the harmful leeches of this world that are trying to suck out the life of God, pruning off the bad that may attach, the unfruitful parts, And you see, there's songs that say, oh, the Lord gives and takes away. He does. Not like that stupid song says. You see, God's not a murderer. He doesn't take and kill something that is good. God is a lover. He looks at what is good and says, let me get this mess off you. Because you're too good for this. Because you're meant to produce fruit. Because you're meant to be a light. He takes away anything that keeps us from producing his goodness. Because he wants us slap full of his goodness. Slap full of his life. Because he loves you. But he also loves those around you who need you. This is what he does. This is why his pruning is so needed. It may not always be comfortable. Being pruned of that fear of people, that was not comfortable, y'all. It was not comfortable stepping up in front of people and allowing God to stretch me and allowing him to take off that cancer of you're not good enough. You can't speak in front of these people. You see that doll right there? He's probably judging you. He's thinking, I could do this better than her. But God went up and he pruned that off. It wasn't always comfortable. But how delighted was I 
The first time I got up and was able to lead a person to the love and the life of Christ, it was worth every pain that I endured to stretch and to abide in him instead of in the world. We have to give ourselves to be pruned because you'll never know who you are and the capabilities that he has placed within you if you don't allow him to work through you. And finally, the goal of abiding is to give glory to God. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit so that you'll be my disciples. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You see, his ultimate goal is to see you bear fruit, to see you be a part of him. I found 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified, and I just love it. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, they passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. You're not who you were before. That old dude, that old fearful girl, she's no longer. You see, I planted her. I allowed her to die so that I could be born in him. I don't miss a moment of that life. Not a moment. Because everything I did prior to that day, everything I did was wrapped in fear and in bondage. I guarantee you if I did it, it was to earn your approval, to make you happy, so that you would see that I'm not all bad, so that you would love me and accept me, even though I'll never really be good. That's who I was for the first 18 years of my life. But when I allowed that person to die, I allowed new things to come. I allowed a spiritual awakening. You see, I wanted to see a different life. So I had to choose to be that different life. I had to choose to abide in him, to be everything that I ever wanted. Because everything I ever wanted, the approval, the love, the goodness, the worth, the righteousness, the provision, the good marriage, the happiness, the joy, the abundance of any good thing, all of that was right here waiting on me. It's right here waiting on you. I just had to accept it. Over in Romans 8, it tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation 
to those who were in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see what's after Jesus? What's that? Is it a comma? Is it a if you do this? It just says for who? Those who are in him. It didn't matter who I was. It didn't matter what I had done. All that mattered was that I I chose to step into him. I chose to say, Lord, if you'll have me, I'm yours. I want to abide in you. And he said, no condemnation, come. Come. And this is what he's saying to all of us. The assurance that I'll have no condemnation is because I'm in him. And in him, I move, I breathe, I live, and I walk not in condemnation doesn't have anything to do with my effort or my goodness because I'm not that good. But in Christ. And this isn't a free ticket to go out and be a jerk. To go live life the way I want to and then on Sunday go, okay, I'm abiding in you again. Because see, here's the difference. When I walk in Christ, it enables and empowers us to change. But until I get there, I'm still righteous in Him. Because as I'm walking in His righteousness, I long for Him. As I'm walking in His righteousness, I see that when I don't deserve it, He still gives it. I live to please my daddy. As I'm walking in it and receiving His love, I want to live a life that shows you who he is. Because when I'm abiding in him, I can't help but be changed. Because he's all I want. He's all I need. He is all I breathe. He is all I do. He is all I see. He is all I eat. He is all I think. And when I'm doing that, he is all I can be. So while I may not have it all right today, When I mess up, I look to him and say, Lord, what could I have done better? I look to him and say, Daddy, forgive me. Help me. And he picks me up. And just like a good daddy, he dusts me off. And then he puts me on my way again. And for a while, he'll hold my hand. Or he'll stable the bike. But then he lets go. Because he knows I can do it. But he's always there. Because he's abiding in me. And I in him. He never leaves me. No matter what I do. No matter how far in my walk I get. He never leaves me. Pastors in the Philippines. The same God that's with him next Sunday morning. Preaching and power and authority and anointing. That's the same God that's with him right now. It's the same God that's with us when we go to work around those people. It's the same God that's with us when we're at home with rowdy children. And it's the same God that's with us when we're on our knees in the morning. He doesn't change. He doesn't leave. He doesn't move. He is always there abiding in us and wanting us 
to abide in him. Because you see, we've been destined to be kings on this planet. And there's far too many that are living as slaves. That are enslaved to the bondages of fear, of lack, of disease. And God said, you were created to be so much more. Abide in me. And y'all, while this, yes, absolutely is a call for anyone who doesn't know him to abide in him as their Lord and Savior today, this is a call to every one of us. If you're not seeing the fullness of his life in you, then you need to abide in him more. I need to abide in him more. You see, I don't get up here and just preach at you. This is stuff that I'm chewing on, that I'm ruminating on, that I'm eating. This is steak that I need to nourish me. So don't sit here and think, oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hope somebody gives their life to Christ. Somewhere, our branch may have been fractured. And God is saying, Allow me to heal that wound. Somewhere a branch has been broken. And God is saying, allow me to graft you into the tree of life. You see, you're a chip off the old block. You are somebody. No matter what you see when you look in the mirror, no matter what the world tells you, no matter what grandma and grandpappy were, you are somebody to him. And when you choose him, all of him, and you choose to abide in him, whether it's a first choice for today or a recommitment or a Lord I don't yet have all the fruit you've called me to have. Today's your day. 